Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Front Row. Tom and KJ with you once again. Big week for Florida State. Uh, We're still basking in the glow of what ESPN tabbed the number one signing class in the country. The basketball boys played pretty well at Wake, have a big opportunity tomorrow night. And you and I were once again wrong in our predictions, this time about the Super Bowl. Well, I was wrong in what I thought would happen, but I was uh, rewarded in what my heart felt. How about that? You were still wrong in your prediction. As, as was I. Let's just leave. By it the there. way, special announcement. Special announcement, gentlemen. This weekend is Valentine's Day. Flowers, candy, or other. Go forth. And let me tell you what doesn't score you a lot of points. Points when you leave for a conference, as I will do at twelve fifty-five p.m. on Sunday afternoon, which is Valentine's Day. That does not score you a lot of points, so that involves extra shopping on my behalf. That 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 credit card balance is going to be up there. Yes, exactly. That that is a good disclaimer and a good place to to start here. Uh, a good reminder uh, to folks that that is coming up. So make sure you take care of uh, the loved one or or ones, I guess, in your life as it may be on uh, on Sunday. What else would you like to talk about? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, the Walter Payton Award, which goes to the NFL Man of the Year. And one Anquan Bolden. It's a good place to start. You know, that kind of gets buried into Super Bowl weekend. I know uh, on, on Twitter and among Knoll Nation, it didn't get lost in the shuffle. But when you make that announcement Saturday night or whenever it was a Super Bowl weekend, it can get uh, sort of glossed over. And that, that's a significant achievement for Anquan and for Florida State, really. And Corey Clark had, a, had an article in the paper uh, with a photograph that had been taken during the, the Saturday night awards part that had uh, Anquan and Derek Brooks and, uh, and and Warwick Dunn and what a great just great trio of individuals that are a true professionals and b true Seminoles. Yeah, I look forward to the New York Times story about. Uh, you think that's coming out? No, I don't. About uh, the fact that, uh, as Corey pointed out, that Florida State has had as much uh, success in in that honor as just about anybody. I think Notre Dame has four, and there's a couple other schools that have had three winners. And uh, FSU is right there. But no, Anquan, you know, and, and partially because he's still been playing. Anquan, and playing well. And and playing out west for much of his career. I have not seen Bolden back at FSU as much of a, as a lot of the other guys over the years. I'm not saying he hasn't come back. I don't honestly know. But, uh, you know, I was here covering him during those days. And, and one word to summarize or to, to sum up Anquan is just tough. Tough. I mean, Ooh. you remember when he broke his face in like nine places and played two weeks later or whatever? I mean, he's just tough. And uh, and a good guy too. And his charity, I mean, he's he's created his own charity down in Pahokee and done a lot of good things there. So congratulations to him for that. I, I thought about it in terms of uh, you mentioned Derek and Warwick and Anquan. There's a few guys that have been through here of late that have a chance to to be in contention for that. Devontae Freeman's probably one of them. I mean, he's Correct. just a really grounded good guy, and it would not be surprising at all to me to see if Devonte, you know each team nominates one anquan was actually up for he's probably been up for it several years this is the first time he won the, the nfl award uh but it wouldn't surprise me to see Devonte up for that at some point i agree anyway congratulations to anquan uh representing fsu well very good job we mentioned valentine's day what about galentine's day i don't even know what that is but madison socials says come on out thursday night if you'd like to celebrate galentine's day you, you don't know what galentine's day i don't i don't you, do you, you want me to explain it to you sure well in, in a nutshell it's the day before Valentine's Day. Ba-boom. Okay. Thank you. Very That's much. all I know. And tomorrow night's not the day before Valentine's Day. So if you want to celebrate Galentine's early, go to Madison Social. You can you can check that box. Uh, you can also watch the Florida State basketball game against Syracuse, which we will discuss uh, in detail. Matter of fact, Xavier Rattan Mays is going to join us uh, next segment. Uh, so plug for XRM. But thank you to Madison Social for being on board as always. And uh, folks, just follow them on, on social media if you don't already. Highly entertaining. Uh, on top of the fact that uh, the Twitter game is strong, the image game is also strong because invariably Madison Social comes across my timeline with uh, some picture of whatever the latest food specialty is. And it's at a time when I'm hungry and weak and I immediately want to head out there and, and sample said uh, said food. All right. That said, XRM, Florida State playing well. Keith, you're with the basketball team. We'll, d- we'll discuss this with uh, Tim Linnefelt later. 
But uh, obviously things are going pretty well right now. What do you think about the uh, the chances tomorrow night against Syracuse? Uh, I like the chances. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tough uh, environment. Uh, it'll be a tough game from the standpoint that uh, offensively, Florida State will have to contend with that Syracuse zone. Uh, I'll be interested to um, hear if X uh, divulges anything about how they approach uh, uh, the Syracuse zone. But I think it's a game that Florida State, as well as they're playing, can go in, Tommy, and, and play well and maybe even come away with a victory. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic in that mode. Well, the last, you know, every game on the road in the ACC is tough. The, la- the last really big stage, they didn't have XRM on the road at Louisville. Correct. Now you go into a basketball frenzied place that plays in the Dome. Uh, thank goodness there's a Dome because it will be chilly for you guys up there in New York. But I- I'm interested to see how they respond a couple weeks more mature with XRM in the fold for this one. Uh, and I agree. And, and particularly as it relates to the seniors playing better, which would lend, at least on paper, that calming effect. Because even though uh, Syracuse is not uh, having a banner year basketball-wise, there'll still be 25, 28,000 people there. And, and that creates an environment that, that is just difficult to perform in. Good news for FSU off the court this week, too, uh, involving uh – somebody that's coming in next year yeah we talk about recruiting how about this for a huge recruiting coup uh and and i had not followed this as closely as maybe i should have but jonathan isaac who is a, a basketball signee uh was basically going to make himself or considering making himself available for the nba draft uh he wasn't going to be a one and done he was going to be never come uh, but he has made the decision, has Isaac, to uh, honor his commitment and, and attend Florida State um, as a freshman next year. And by all accounts, he probably is, even with Bacon and Beasley here, he probably will be the number one recruit that Leonard Hamilton has brought in uh, to the FSU program. That's a pretty strong statement. And if, if one or two of the – one or both of those guys are back next year – uh, would truly be remarkable. Uh, another good class coming in for, for Leonard, and that is good news. This is not an area in which Florida State, it's not familiar territory Correct. where you're wondering about what's going to happen with a guy like that. But, exactly. Uh, well, and it, it, it'll be fun to see how this basketball season plays out. There's an awful lot of opportunities. They've put themselves in position having recovered from an 0-3 start in the ACC. They have no bad losses. They have some nice things uh, on that resume, including a win in Gainesville, including a win over Virginia, a Virginia team that's playing much better right now. And, and they're in the mid-30s in the RPI, both the NCAA and the other one that gets looked at. So, I mean, you know, the the metrics, which you and I, oh, we have bought into the metrics, haven't we? Uh, but the metrics even fare well for Florida State. Let's finish this segment where we started. Then we'll get back to basketball with XRM, and Tim Linnefelt will join us later. Uh, I don't want to dissect the Super Bowl. I think we can all agree uh, that it looked like an SEC football game. Two SEC quarterbacks, a lot of defense, not much offense is the way that thing played out. Uh, Peyton Manning gets, uh, I mean, you go one for was it 13 or 15 on third down conversions and they win the Super Bowl? I mean, we don't need to do the X's and O's, but to me, the two storylines that came out of it, one is Peyton's legacy, three storylines. Peyton's legacy, Cam's post-game press conference, and Peyton's marketing ability. So why don't we start there? I mean, he, can, he, he slyly drops Budweiser into every answer that he has. Well, did you notice? He says hello to Mr. Papa John's the on the person, field. The first person he shakes hands with after the game is Mr. Papa whatever his real name is, he drops the Budweiser thing, which Cameron was talking about, I think, uh, on Tuesday, that NFL players are prohibited from endorsing alcoholic beverages. So is he no longer an NFL player? Um, Or was it just a slip? I don't know. And more importantly, in the biggest stage, and whether he's leaving or not leaving, at a time when he should be more emotional than anything else, He's very plotting and very mechanical and very, you know, uh, not manipulative. Well, who, manipulative implies negative. I'm saying it in the positive way. He he is the ultimate hey, marketer. It was product placement. I mean, it's in TV shows and has been for some time, and he was just the master of it. There, the other thing, uh, I don't know if it's was planned or not. I'm going to guess it probably was in light of what we're saying. But before the game, when they introduced all the Super Bowl MVPs. They show the shot of him, and he's sitting between Gatorade coolers drinking Gatorade on the screen at the time that they show him. You know, So there you go with more product placement. But anyway, he adds another Super Bowl ring to his legacy. Everybody's written the story that he's going to head out. I'm not 100% convinced that's what he does. You know, I think, I, I think he's, got, he's, he's right to not make the decision at an emotional time. 
I think he's going to go as long as he can pre-draft, uh, to be fair to the Broncos or whoever it would be about it. Uh, but he's going to get out there and throw again and see if anything else comes back well, in that here's arm. The problem, and, uh, though, to Tom, me, I, 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 here's the problem. There's a March 9th deadline. Well, then he's going to go to March 8th and see how the arm feels and how he's throwing I mean, the ball Again, as I 8th. understand it, I may be wrong, but as I understand it, if he is not retired or, let, or, or, or released by the Broncos, if he is on the roster on March 9th, He's due $19 million. Well, but the Broncos will cut him. Really, the issue is, does he go play in L.A. or go play for somebody else? You know, I'm just saying there there is an early deadline that may come into play. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But clearly, the script to follow is the one that John Elway used when he was there. Just just ride out right now. And, and, and conversely, how childish can a 25-year-old quarterback in the NFL act? Yeah, and, and I am not anti-Cam now, nor was I before. Uh, the Super Bowl, his antics don't bother me. They may you. You and I tend to disagree I don't like on him this. because he's a gator, but that's a whole different discussion. But, I, you know, I'm fine with it. If you're going to do that to me, back it up. And uh, and I'm not just in sports, but in general, be accountable. And uh, to me, it was just a lost opportunity. He, he had an opportunity there to stand there and, and uh, be a little bit more professional, a little bit more polite answer the questions and maybe change some of the narrative about it instead he probably reinforced the narrative for people who don't like well him. i, think, that's, he, I but, think he intentionally is reinforcing the negative uh i go all the way back to the fact that he didn't get on the ball that was on the ground there is no excuse for that during 60 minutes of playing football you do everything that ball's on the ground you get your ass on the ground okay i wrote him off after that Secondly, you don't show up for a post-game press conference at the Super Bowl with a hoodie. You know, put a damn tie on, okay? And thirdly, sit there longer than three minutes and just shut up and ask the questions. Answer the questions, yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people that feel like you do on, on that. And the on-field, the not diving for the ball, that's a different thing to me, but it's all attached to the same thing. But I don't know. I He's, spoke my piece. You, you did. And I knew you were going to find a way to get that in. We'll talk basketball after this, Florida State basketball, when we continue here on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're with you every Wednesday from 6 to 7 right here, and we're going to talk some Florida State basketball. Please. Right now to welcome to the program Xavier Rattan Mays of the FSU basketball squad who is uh, on his way to Syracuse. The Knowles, of course, play a big game tomorrow night. XRM, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us. How are you? I'm good. No problem. Good. Appreciate it. And I'm going to start broad, and then KJ and I will uh, dive a little deeper, I guess. But when you com- look at the first few games of the conference schedule, and I know obviously it was the upper echelon you were playing out of the gates uh, compared to this stretch right now where you've won six out of the last eight, what's the biggest difference in terms of what's going right or what the team is doing a better job of right now? Uh, I think our chemistry right now is at an all-time high. Uh, we're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, guys guys are really meshing and playing really well together. Uh, we know each other's spots. We know where we like the ball and, and stuff like that. And and I think our chemistry is really amazing. Um, on on the court and off the court, we're, we're, really, we're a really close bunch of guys and um, I think that's that's what's really working for us. XKJ here. Uh, you were a shooter scorer last year. You've been asked to be a distributor of the basketball to the, this year. You're supposed to be pouting and unhappy, but I don't see that. No, not at all. Um, I, I just adjust um, whatever whatever we, whatever this basketball team needs for us to for us to win and be able to um, get back into the NCAA tournament and then hopefully make a deep run and end the tournament um, is is what I'm willing to do. And uh, coach. Coach asked me to um, be that point guard for this basketball team this year and being able to get guys the ball and then um, as well as be aggressive. He he keeps emphasizing in practice and, and when I meet with him that he needs me to be aggressive and on offense as well. So um, just just knowing where to pick my spots, knowing where to score, and, and then being able to uh, know when other guys need the basketball and other guys need touches and stuff like that. Well, my, my props to you, brother. You've, you've handled it extremely well. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, non-offense, the defensive side. I, I really think that you guys have begun to buy into the fact that you've got to play defense. 
uh, create some turnovers, let the transition game come, and especially the new kids are stepping up and understanding how, how important that defensive end of the court is. It's huge for us, and like you said, everybody's buying in. It took a it took a little bit for everybody to fully buy into our de- defensive concepts and um, our principles, but I think everybody's doing a really good job. Everybody believes in our system and the system that Coach Hamilton and the staff has put in for us. And um, like you said, we're, we're buying into um, to playing defense and letting letting our defense turn its offense. And uh, these last four or five games that we've won in a row, I think you you see that when we play defense at a high level, it translates to our offense and, and being able to get into transition, and, and and that's where we flourish. So um, it was all about buying in to our principles and, and really locking, locking in on the little things, and uh, I think it, that's really paying off for us now. We're talking with Xavier Rattan Mays. The Knowles, of course, uh, trying to get another W uh, on a hot streak right now, play at Syracuse uh, on Thursday evening. How do you guys – contend or deal with that Syracuse zone? How do you beat it and, and, and be effective offensively? Executing. Executing offensively, moving the basketball from side to side, being able to get into the high post and and, and into the short corners and um, making shots. I think that's what it comes down to. And um, we, We've we been watching a lot of film and, and trying to uh, figure out where their soft spots uh, soft uh, spots in the zone are. And I think we need to, um, we just need to execute. And, uh, and then and then we need to run in transition on makes, on misses. We need to be able to uh, get out in transition and, and try and get some easy baskets as well. And um, I think that's something we can definitely do. I'm going to uh, date myself here, XRM, but I was in school at FSU when your dad played basketball. As, as, and I was graduated when your dad played yeah, basketball. Yeah, so he's, he's really the old guy out of A this thing. A long time ago, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of that black and white footage, but I, no, seriously, uh, I, I was reading your bio in the media guide and said one of your goals is to, is to surpass what your dad did here. Uh, I think you're still about 500 points shy of that. But I, it, all kidding aside, uh, just just talk about uh, what kind of influence he's been in terms of how you play basketball and how you grew up to appreciate the sport and how that translates to what you do on the court. He's been he's been a huge inspiration for me. Just um, just a person that I can talk to no matter what uh, when it comes to basketball or if, it, if it's not pertaining to basketball. And uh, he's uh, he's taught me everything I know on, on the basketball side of things and. Just being able to uh, be calm, cool, and collected all the time, and before every game, before I go into every game, he he sends me a text t- telling me to be special, and um, he's just uh, he he's a great person to have in my corner, and um, he does such an amazing job and and just uh, guiding me in the right direction, as well as my mom and um and and on that end they they work together and uh my dad he's like i said he's such a huge inspiration for me and whenever i can um have him at the games or whenever he's able to get down here is uh definitely a bonus for me because it kind of picks me up in a sense just because i get to see him in the stands well x taking that family thing one step further i've had the opportunity to meet your grandfather yeah and uh, he's come down and, and uh, visited with gene and i as we do the ball games and and we had a, a unofficial uh agreement with him that we would make sure and tell you over the air because your, your your grandfather listens to every one of the games what color shoes you had on so that's been part of what we do in the first few <laughs> minutes of every ball game so your grandfather will be happy Yes, sir. He will. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, you can't just stop there. What? When did you start with this uh, affinity for the shoes? I mean, walk us through this, X, and how many pairs do you own? I think I think it started with my mom. Um, my mom always used to uh, buy me a lot of sneakers when I was when I was younger. I used to have all the Jordans. I used to all the the newest stuff that came out shoes wise. My mom used to spoil me with just because I love shoes so much, and it just kind of translated through through high school and college and. Um, I, I have a lot of pairs. Uh, I, I wear almost a different pair every practice, but when we get, when it gets into games and stuff, I like to wear the same style, which is Kobe's. And, um, I got, I got a few different colors that I like to, to go through and, um, uh, and stuff like that. And most of my shoes are, are kind of customized. So they say different things on them. Um, a couple of them have my mom and, and dad name, and my brother's names and stuff like that. So, I just I just kind of like to rotate, kind of. Um, I don't like to wear the same pair of sneakers too often, so uh, that's just something that I've had, I've been doing since I was a little kid, and I kind of just continued it in in college. As we finish up here, of course, we're speaking with uh, Xavier Rattan Mays from Florida State. Uh, you had the opportunity to prep with uh, who is also still a very good friend of yours, uh, Andrew Wiggins, 
And and by no means in this question am I putting Beasley or Bacon in uh, in Andrew's category. But when you talk about youngsters with great talent, you you played with one that's now in the NBA. There's uh, in Bacon and Beasley two more that 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 bring some talent. What what are some of the similarities and, and what maybe are some of the differences uh, between uh, Wiggins and, and and Bacon and Beasley in your eyes? Well, right now they're young. They're they're maturing. They're um, they uh, with Bacon and uh, Malik. I think um, they're so young right now. They're trying to soak everything in, trying to learn, and um, they're 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 outgoing guys. They're they're goofy and, and always on the go. And I think um, that's a big similarity. I see was Andrew and I were kind of the same way when we were younger in high school and and stuff like that. And but Malik, athletically, I think. Um, I wouldn't say he's right there, but he's up there with with, with Drew, um, just jumping wise and, and stuff like that. And um, but you know, both of them are are great guys. They're unbelievable players. Uh, they work hard every single day to get better. And um, I, I'm proud of the stuff that they've been doing this year. And uh, we just need them to, to keep doing what they're doing and, and keep playing at a high level. And um, if they can keep doing that, uh, and everybody else just keep coming together as a team, I think we can definitely do something special. I hesitate. I don't want to open old wounds among Seminole Nation, but how close was Wiggins to coming here? Uh, it was pretty close. Um, that's that's my best friend. I think that was um, one of the reasons he wanted to come here as well, just be able to play together. But ultimately, he made the decision to go to Kansas, which I felt was a great decision for him and his family. And uh, he did that, and it paid off. He did a year at Kansas, and, and he was a rookie of the year last year, and he's doing unbelievable things in the NBA. So, um, that's that's kind of old news, but he's still always a seminal uh, in his heart because his dad was here, and um, and I think that's that's the one thing he lives on as well. Well, that's well said. I'm glad you didn't say that it came down to a coin flip and it came up Jayhawks or something. Like that. <laughs> oh, definitely not. <laughs> hey, XRM, best of luck uh, tomorrow night and and the rest of the season as we get this team to the tournament. All right. Thanks so much. All right, Xavier Rattan Mays. Uh, I didn't know prior to that interview that he and my wife have some similarities. Both need a shoe closet, apparently. All right, we'll come back and react to that and continue with uh, much more of the front row right after this. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome back to the front row. Another simply mediocre edition once again. We have uh, can you even we name have that the artist? models can of you name con- that artist con- consistency. Was that that, that uh, walk up song right there? Uh, my mind just went blank. So no. Okay, just ask. Yeah. Do you remember dancing to it at your high school prom though? Yes. Chuck Berry, by the way. Thank you. There you go. I would have gotten there eventually. If you'd have given me multiple choice, I, I, I would have gotten at least on the second try. Understood. Um, you know, I lost my train of thought here. Do you think XRM would have gotten it? No. Okay. He'd have recognized the song, but he had no idea who the performer was. There you go. Uh, thanks to Xavier Rattan Mays for joining us, by the way, and uh, enlightening uh, conversation about all things FSU basketball and his shoe collection. And uh, his dad, I seriously do remember, I'm sure you do too, a lot of people listening probably do, his dad when he, right. when he played here. His dad could light it up from the outside now. Now, he was a streaky shooter, too. I mean, he could catch on fire and, and, and throw uh, six or eight in a row in, uh, just like his son. And I didn't ask XRM that question, but it's sort of one of those, if he knew the answer, he would fix it. But, you know, what's going right when you're streaky like that and everything's going in? And, is you know, is it is it release is there something mechanical that's not working when he's when he's streaking the wrong direction so to speak we didn't get a chance to ask him that i i've never been streaky enough to have that problem how about that yeah i don't want to hear anything more about you and streaking let's change the the tenor of this conversation i really and point like out i that, like landis green 
The Flying Bear is uh, the sponsor, uh, regrettably, of this segment. I apologize to you, Brian, as we segue into this. Flying Bear, Great American Grill up on Thomasville Road. Uh, always a great place to uh, stop by and uh, get a good meal on the north side of town. I encourage you to do so. That is the Flying Bear, Great American Grill, who's been with us uh, for some time. Open uh, Sunday to Thursdays, 11 to 9, Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. I'm not going streaking at the Flying Bear. Thank you. And uh, Brian thanks you for that as well, as well as his patrons. Uh, XRM in his adjustment this year, uh, I you know obviously there's still room for improvement. It's kind of interesting because when he was the way he was playing last year, leading Florida State and scoring for just the second time a Seminoles done that in school history, and you know scoring thirty plus in four minutes at Miami and thirty at the Dean Dome. Everybody's wondering, was he going to come back? Well, he comes back, and now nobody's talking about whether he's going to leave. All the conversation is about Bacon and Beasley and whether they're going to leave. I mean, clearly there's room for improvement for all three of those guys, but XRM has been asked to make this transition. I mean, I think he's made it reasonably well, even though there's still room for improvement. He still turns the ball over uh, at times that he shouldn't, and that's something that's got to get fixed. Well, he's still a youngster. Remember, he's a sophomore, and he did sit out a year between uh, senior year of high school, first year of college, but he's still a youngster. In terms of playing time, he's still got some issues maturity-wise. You know, he's, he was suspended for the Louisville game. Uh, we know that it was for behavior. Uh, the reason we know that is the way Coach uh, Ham addressed it, you know, particularly when Gene and I asked him after the Louisville game, who is he going to play the next game? And, and Coach's response was, I haven't decided yet. Uh, so we know it's behavior-related. We don't know what it was. It could be anything from showing up late to class to – you know, uh, you know, showing up late to practice, to missing a bus, or not coming to a film session, or whatever it was. So he's got some growing up to do. He's still a youngster in that vein. But uh, and, and as I mentioned to him, I've been most impressed with the way he's been able to transition on the court. Uh, I, I was not, uh, you know, a big basketball guy. I don't know what it means to be a shooter and a scorer, and what mentality goes into that, other than to know that if you have that mentality and now you're asked to distribute the basketball, that is a huge change. That's like taking a running quarterback and making them a passing quarterback or vice versa. He has taken that uh, challenge on and on the court has handled and performed very well. He's playing about five or six minutes less this year than last, which that can't hurt either. Well, and Leonard said last year uh, that that he was playing kids kids too much. I mean, that was a focus to try to keep them at the 29- or 30-minute mark on average in a game. And and you're right. Instead of 34, 35. Exactly. And you say, well, that's that's not a big difference. Well, that's a 12.5, 13, 14% difference. And that becomes huge over a 32, 34-game schedule. Yeah, no question. Well, and we'll talk about this with Tim Linnefeld, but the seniors are are starting to play better too. And, uh, you know, Devin Booker, he's he's finally getting his due. I feel like uh, earlier in his career, for one reason or another, uh, injuries being part of it, um, he hasn't been recognized as being a pretty good basketball player here for Florida. And he's starting to get that now. You're seeing him emerge more as a leader in, in the last few weeks. And, boy, and his, he's deadly with the three. He re- it really is. And his injuries, Tom, have been such – that he could still play, but he was playing injured. In other words, he wasn't fully healthy, and, and he's only been... Yeah, so people lose sight of the fact exactly. that he's not fully healthy. It's not yeah. that he was injured and missed 10 games. It was that he was injured and was was hobbled when it came to his foot or with that wrist, his shooting wrist. Uh, you know, He would play 6, 8, 10, 12 games, and, and sometimes the staff wouldn't even let others know, particularly us broadcasters, that he was even suffering with it. And then all of a sudden they sit him out a game to let him rest, and you begin to understand he's really performing uh, at a disadvantage. Of late, he has been healthy, and you see what he can do. He is a deadly marksman. He's the only FSU player in the top ten, percentage-wise, of three free throws and three-point shots in the history of the program. Well, and he's in the ACC rankings for three-point accuracy. Correct. That is also correct. Yeah. And he's number four in the conference in steals defensively yeah so he's he's played well so all that said uh tomorrow night you've been to the carrier dome i have for hoops for hoops and for football and i played against syracuse but not in the dome played in archbold field before the dome was even built are you going to tell the story now about how the carrier dome doesn't have ac it doesn't have ac and the roof is held up by air pressure and you go through double doors and what is the reason that it doesn't have ac and they don't need it (laughs) 
but but what is the what is the reason that the sponsorship and the name of the building belongs to somebody who supplies AC? Then now that part I don't know. That, how that's that really okay. All right, I don't know how that occurred. Fair point. They don't need it. Yes, yes. In, what kind of dumb question is that? Like Tom? July, they don't need it. I, I'm told on July 16th they might break 90. Okay, they got a fan. We'll bring out. I a fan. do think it's interesting that the sponsorship involves something that's not needed there. I agree. But whatever. So it's the Carrier Dome. There we go. Uh, so, so describe what it's like for basketball. Well, they is, take, is what I was driving at with this. They they put the court in the end zone. So if you if the basketball uh, the football field is north and south, they turn the basketball court so it faces east and west, and they bump it up into the end zone, and they put in uh, uh, seats, um, uh, bring in a whole level of seats on what would be the midline of the football field, mm-hmm. and they can put thirty five, thirty eight thousand people. Uh, in that configuration and I think that's also one of the good things about Florida State playing there because if Florida State makes the NCAA tournament there is a chance they may be playing in a venue like that and when you talk about sight lines and sight adjustment and 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 the feel for the place uh, it's going to be good for these youngsters have the opportunity to play in a dome setting in case that comes up come NCAA time yeah no question it's a big opportunity for Florida State tomorrow night, and it does feel like this team has turned the corner. Although, uh, boy, you turn the corner and you see the light, and you can't tell if it's a, if, is that a train or or what coming right at you, you know. Um, but but even even should they stumble tomorrow night, there, there's more opportunities. They they put themselves in position where I, I do think they're going to get to the tournament this year. I agree, and and I think there's a great opportunity to for them to finish a game or two above 500 in the conference. I have not been to the Carrier Dome for basketball. I've been there for football. I've been to to two Final Fours in domes, and that's you know which obviously the NCAA is going to do that and sell as many tickets as possible. I don't ever see them going back. And those domes are football domes, uh, which I guess the Carrier Dome would be kind of a hybrid. But point is, it's not like an NBA arena of twenty five thousand. No. I mean, it's so I've been to the Superdome to see it and uh, whatever the dome is in St. Louis now, and these are on the. Uh, the lottery tickets that anybody can apply for that you get off the NCAA site. So they are the worst of the worst. And in the Superdome, I sat on the top row, upper deck, and the way they put the court was the opposite side of the football field into the corner. And uh, what was really, what's really weird about it, you can't see anything. They were, I rented binoculars for 20 bucks to watch the game through binoculars. This is a true story. This is not an endorsement for the Final Four, but the endorsement is go to the Final Four because the atmosphere is great. It's like a bowl atmosphere, only there's four teams there instead of two. So the Friday, Saturday of Final Four weekend, good stuff. The sight lines, if you got the tickets I got, not so good. But what's bizarre about it is that because you're so far away, by the time you hear the whistle indicating the foul, like the next play has already started. You know what I mean? There's that much of a delay on hearing the it's just it's a, it's a weird thing to watch a basketball game that way. Well, hopefully the next Final Four, which would be my first Final Four, I'll be sitting on the sideline broadcasting it. Well, yes, because you're not going to pry open your wallet to actually go if Florida State's not there. So we're well aware of the fact that you would have a good seat if you attend the uh, the Final Four. Yeah, it was the same experience in St. Louis, same seats all the way. I'm trying to think. Well, the year, uh, I guess Syracuse won, ironically, as I bring that story up with Carmelo, the year it was in New Orleans, and uh, in in St. Louis was a, a year that Carolina won. So there you go. Not that anybody asked, but I filled in the blank. Anyway. Thanks for sharing. There you go. All right. Uh, we'll share uh, the one and only Tim Linnefelt with our, our listeners coming up in the very next segment. He is our Seminoles.com insider. And uh, I don't think I need to say more. I'm still waiting to see. He, he said he's going to make another two or three basketball trips. The last one he made was Louisville, and they lost. I don't know whether he's going with us to Syracuse, but if he is – we're going to be changing some things. Yes, the pressure is on. All right, we'll ask that question of Tim and, and get some clarity there. And we continue right after this on the front row. You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to The Front Row. Tom and KJ with you. And, uh, of course, KJ will be in uh, Syracuse, New York 
shortly because the basketball team plays there uh, tomorrow night. And Tim Linnefeld will guess he'll be, with be there as well. How yeah. about that? Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Doing very well. Tim's making this trip, and uh, that's good news. Uh, there is some pressure involved here, though, Tim, because we know what happened last time you made a road trip. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to, to break that trend. I think, you know, coincidentally, the, the basketball team has played a lot better uh, since I made my last road trip, so I'm hoping that has more to do with it than uh, than my mere presence, although I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever you packed and whatever you wore on the Louisville trip, leave it at home. I'm doing it all different. Yes, Louisville was his uh, previous trip, and uh, I'm not accompanying you, gentlemen, but I would just suggest that uh, you don't leave the hotel. I Warm. imagine it's probably chilly in Dress Syracuse. warmly. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, made the mistake of looking up the uh, the weather forecast for the next few days, and now I'm kind of... Well, I'm play terrible. Jim Cantore for us. What is, what are, what is the weather going to be like? Well, uh, snow and cold. Uh, the, the high tomorrow is 17, and I think it's going to snow tonight. Keep on snowing all day tomorrow, snowing all day tomorrow, and then keep snowing on Friday. Well, there you have it. I'm staying home. So. All right. Well, fortunately, <laughs> they fortunately they have a big dome there in Syracuse, and uh, you'll be able to use it uh, to to view this basketball game. Timmy, here, here's the I, I don't know if it's the million dollar question, maybe it's the sixty four thousand dollar question, or a buck ninety eight. The team is obviously playing better on a win streak, one six of eight. How much of that is improved play from the team? versus the schedule is now it has been at a lighter point than what it was at the start of the conference season? I think you have to say it's a little bit of both. That's not to take away from the way that they've been playing. It's just that schedule to begin the ACC season was just brutal. I mean, we looked at it, and we knew it was brutal, and even then I think we were surprised at how tough it was. Uh, but there have been some positive signs, especially since that loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Clemson's a team that you that, that loss really, I think, hurt maybe as much as any of the ones that followed. Uh, to, to handle them at home was a good sign. To handle NC State and maybe the best player in the league in Cap Barber was a positive sign. And then to win a couple games on the road, uh, even at Wake Forest. You know, I know Wake Forest and Boston College aren't particularly good, but there were a few times when Forest State had to kind of dig deep uh, and, and pull themselves up, I guess, when the game got a little hairy, and they were able to do that each time. But, but overall, I think this weekend is going to really tell us the, the true answer to your question. When you go to Syracuse, who's been playing a lot better lately, and then you host Miami, a team that beat you pretty good uh, a couple months ago, or I guess a month or so ago. Uh, that's a pretty good barometer for how much progress you've made over the last several weeks. Well, and I would tell you, Carolina doesn't think Boston College is very bad. How many points did Carolina beat BC by? No, three. <laughs> three. three. Uh, the biggest turnaround, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but just to reinforce and echo it, uh, the biggest turnaround, I think, on this club has been their recommitment to defense. What do you think? No, I think that's the big thing. And I don't know if it's, it's commitment. It's just guys are figuring out how to do it. Uh, I think especially the freshmen, Dwayne Bacon and Malik Beasley, that's a, as good as they are scoring, that's a hard defense to pick up, I think, as freshmen. And, and you see, especially early on, like Malik, he would try. It's just he didn't have it. It's a, it, it takes a while to, to figure out what you're doing. So uh, now that they seem to have gotten a little bit more comfortable defending, and, and I also think that they know that they almost have fun with, you know, creating havoc, creating tip balls and deflections and steals because that, that allows them to get out and transition, uh, score some points, and maybe throw down an alley-oop or a dunk or two. And we know those guys like to do that. So when you can kind of hold that carrot out in front of the defense, that maybe uh, provides a little extra motivation. But the other thing I think is, is a big part of the, the resurgence over the last month or so is the seniors are playing so much better. I mean, look at Monte Brandon. He's been able to come on. Devin Booker looks at times like a guy who's desperate to get to the NCAA tournament. And then even the last time out, Boris Bojanovsky was getting involved, too. It's a completely different team. We don't need a ton from those seniors. You just need uh, some contributions. And they've been getting those over the last month or so, and it's, it's made an obvious difference. Brandon, in particular, Tim, I think, has been playing lights out the last couple of three ball games. No, he definitely has. And, and it's a really positive development because before that, he was almost invisible. And you hate to say that about a guy uh, who, in my opinion, is one of the nicest kids i've been around nicest student athletes across any sport here and uh and so to see him struggle it, it wasn't fun but to see him kind of pull himself up by his bootstraps so to speak and find a role to play whether it be driving to the basket whether it be getting a rebound whether it be playing hard on defense he's finding a way to contribute every time out and it's again it's made a, a really obvious impact you mentioned the ncaa tournament in your mind do they have to get to 10 and 8 in conference or will 9 and 9 get them in 
I think ten and eight would definitely get him in. I think nine and nine, it would just sort of depend uh, that you know you're on the bubble. Then it, you know what do you do in the ACC tournament? At nine and nine with a win or two uh, would probably be enough to get you in. With with three wins would certainly be enough to get you in. You would think, but ten and eight, I think he'd be pretty safe because if you get a ten and eight with the schedule they have remaining, you're going to have probably at least one or two more uh, pretty marquee wins. I, I saw in the I believe it was the CBS bracketology had. Florida State is an eight seed, projected as an eight seed. Could they get that high? Maybe so, uh, especially if they they're able to steal a couple wins. You know, get one at Duke, going to Syracuse. I know uh, they're not the the typical highly ranked Syracuse we've seen in the past, but they have one to seven. And I I wonder if the committee will will sort of divide Syracuse's season, you know, pre Bayheim and post Bayheim. And if you're able to get a win on the road up there after they started playing better, that might count a little bit more. Than it normally would, but but yeah, I think they could, especially if if they finish strong. Of course, they uh, have a big opportunity against Syracuse tomorrow night. The fact that that uh, Louisville has uh, self imposed opens up one more at large uh, bid a- across the country, which uh, doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt certainly. Um, signing day last week uh, when we talked to you, not all the uh, signatures were dry. Matter of fact, not all of them had come in. Uh, now that you can comment, who is uh, you know what? What name or two or three or four or five are, are going to have the biggest impact next fall when uh, football season starts? Well, you know, I don't know if this is the most exciting answer, but I think you have to look at the specialists, Ricky Aguayo and and Logan Tyler. The fact of the matter is, Florida State doesn't have a kicker and they don't have a punter. Let me rephrase uh, the question, Tim. Outside of the specialists, okay, which four okay. or five guys are going to have and the biggest? By big... the way, have you noticed that the the, the younger Aguayo looks? He is exact. Looks at, well. They will not even have to change photographs. It's it's remarkable. They, I, uh, they they could be almost obviously they're, they're brothers, brothers yeah, but they, they could be almost identical twins. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, before a game last year, last season, one of the home games, uh, I guess Ricky was here on a visit, and I was walking around the stadium, walking the press box, and he was walking around outside. And I looked and I was like, "What in the world is Roberto doing here? This close to kickoff?" I was like, "Wait a second. You just had to kind of do a double take." Uh, so yeah, it's kind of funny. But well, all kidding aside, I do think those guys uh, probably have a pretty good chance to make an impact. I would look first uh, at Levante Taylor, the, the five-star cornerback. Uh, you know, Jimbo is kind of saying that he thinks he has an opportunity to play maybe as a punt returner or a kick returner. And, and also we've seen if, if you're talented and play in the secondary, you can play at Florida State as a freshman. You know, we've seen it with Ronald Darby. We've seen it with T.J. Williams. saw it recently with Derwin James. We saw it with Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they love guys that are versatile. They love athletic guys in the secondary. And he seems to fit the bill there uh, in a really big way. Uh, beyond that, I would look at the offensive linemen. Uh, they signed a bunch of them, and, and it's a situation with Florida State on the line where you know they have a lot of returning starters. But I don't know that outside of Roderick Johnson and, and maybe maybe Kareem Mar and Wilson Bell, uh, I, you know, I think there's going to be some some jobs that maybe not completely up for grabs. There are going to be some competitions uh, there on the offensive line. I know uh, Rick Trickett said at his uh, he said at his his availability, I guess, so to speak, at the, the signing day party. The thing about Bavion Johnson, uh, the center, said he thinks they can help. he can help them out. Uh, Mike Arnold is a guy that they can help out. Uh, the big thing with the, the linemen is just depth. And of course, it had no depth on the offensive line uh, last year. They're going to go into this fall with as many as, I think, 19 scholarship offensive linemen, which is almost four, uh, four deep on the line. Now, some of those guys you know, could get hurt or things could happen, but you have that many bodies. There's a huge, huge advantage that they haven't had in really a long time. Let me, let me ask you about that, Tim. Is that a departure in philosophy on how many linemen to keep on scholarship, or is it just a matter of they got more than their share or more than they expected of the guys that they went after that were OL this year? Well, it's funny because Jimmy was asked that specifically about the number of linemen, and he said, well, that's what I want to roll with. He said, oh, well, okay, because they haven't been able to do that for, for the last several years. So uh, if this is what they're working toward, then more power to them. But I can tell you, it, it definitely seems unusual you know i don't know how many college teams in the country have a full two strings on, on offensive line or a full second team offensive line you're always mixing and matching and, and you know robin peter to pay paul to get guys moved around to have as many players as they do you know i haven't looked at everybody's roster across the country but i have to assume that's pretty unique all right football but uh no longer florida state football I'm going to talk about the underwear Olympics here that is the NFL Combine. Uh, Tom Lang and I were mentioning this. Is Jalen Ramsey absolutely going to own the Combine when it gets started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> no, he's just one of those those guys, man. He, one, he's got all the, the, the physical ability, but he's got that attitude. You know, he views everything as a competition. If, if he so, scores high on the Wonderlick, 
he will probably set the bar on almost every, other than the bench press, everything they do. Sure, and, and I think he could probably compare pretty well to his position uh, in the bench press. But he's just one of those, I mean, he, he wants to compete. And so, you know, he's not just looking at, I want to go out there and impress these NFL scouts for me. He's, I want to go out and beat these guys. Just that's kind of, you know, the way that he's wired. Uh, and if you see, the, the, the buzz around him for, you know, really ever since he's left has been nothing but positive. And, and you see him as a potential first-round pick and then a potential top 15 and then potential top 10. And now you're seeing him in people's top five in mock drafts, and it's just been nothing but a steady climb for him ever since January. Yeah, so what do you think his ceiling is? Because I feel like I've seen him 6-10 to 10 in most of the projections I've looked at. I mean, there's not a way he gets the number one, is there? I mean, that's crazy talk, right? I, I really wouldn't think so. I know some folks had him. I think one, one guy had him number one on their big board, which, of course, you know, just because the guy's number one on the billboard, big board doesn't mean he's going to go number one overall or projected to go number one overall. It's hard to say. I think it depends on what teams view him as. If it's as a corner, then maybe you could sneak into the top five. If a, if a team views him more as a as a safety, which honestly I think he's a very good safety, even though I know he wants to play cornerback, uh, he could slip a little bit a little bit further. But I, I can't see him getting out of the top ten. Well, for the record, and I don't expect it to to happen at the top either. But it's only happened one time in draft history that the number one pick has been from the same school two years in a row. I think it was USC at some point, maybe sixty nine and seventy somewhere in there. So I, and. Folks, I'm not suggesting he's going number one, but the fact that he's even going to potentially be in the, because it, there's going to be the talk is going to be magnified when we come out of that combine. I'm, I'm I mean, you, he's going to slam dunk the, the combine. measurables of the combine. He is going to set the curve. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right, what else you got on Seminoles.com right now, Tim? Oh, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, be looking later this week. We have a, an update. We'll have an update on the Champions Club progress. Took a tour uh, of that down in the south end zone of Doak Campbell Stadium. We got an update on, on all the. That those guys are doing foreign concrete and you know having the, the scaffolding and all those those terms that that are a little bit foreign to me uh, and then also uh, some women's basketball coming up uh, some baseball coming up all kinds of fun stuff as we get into uh, get into the spring it's a, it's a busy time it is a busy time the women play uh, at Duke tomorrow night trying to get a yep. win they're of course uh, Not nine and one in conference play yeah they're having a great year and they put into host again this year which uh, they're on they're on track to do that for the first and second round so certainly good luck to us and the baseball comes out next week too so yeah it's, uh, it all comes pretty quick once you get to the middle of February you know? do you do you clone yourself or do you actually do you have seniority now do you say no you know what <laughs> do you make a sign I'm gonna spend my Friday night uh with the misses and somebody else is going to cover this game how do you do you guys draw straws uh, how does that with your big staff how do you work that out yeah you just kind of try to figure it out and see who's who has preference on what and let's just say that the uh, the four o'clock baseball games are uh, on the Friday afternoon are always welcome Oh yes, I, I remember those days, and that's you get those for the first three weeks of the home season. And then you go to six o'clock Friday. Yeah, yeah, but you, you enjoy them while they last. Exactly. Hey, Tim, great stuff as always. Uh, safe travels, and uh, please come back with a five hundred record on the road with uh, men's basketball. Okay, that's the plan. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider. Uh, as you know, during the season, Seminoles.com, the only place to catch Jimbo's pressers postgame and on Mondays. And uh, in the off season, all kinds of uh, content about everything else related to FSU athletics. We, we you look for, like you want to speak, so I'll give you the floor. To, we forgot to ask him about traffic on the Tribe 16 uh, website they set up. I imagine it was off the charts during signing day. Well, Considering that uh, it, it was reminiscent of the the Bowden years in terms of all of a sudden it's just like one every hour set your clock every hour another five star is going to say or four star is going to say he's coming to FSU it was pretty good pretty good close no question yep all right more to do on the show and we will do it right after this here on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. We're back. Some parting comments here in the final couple of minutes. Uh, Tom and KJ with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to XRM and Tim Linnefelt, as always. Uh, we started the show with football and gave a shout out to Anquan Bolden we've talked an awful lot of FSU basketball in weeks to come we will talk FSU baseball uh we'll see if we can't rustle up 11 or Mike Jr. to join us uh, next week maybe in advance of the I'm start still going to call him meet you can call him whatever you like and I'm gonna call just wait till he's on the phone so you actually have call, the interview going wait till the end of the interview and I'm gonna call Chip the colonel 
I just am. Okay. Well, that's all good. I'll just call you KJ. It's short and simple, and nobody wants to hear the other names we might have for you. Love you. What too, you got? Poop. You pulled out the uh, the uh, the homework that you did. Well, there. I, I, you know, it, it was amazing to me. All this talk about five stars and four star recruits and all that. And, uh, you know, numbers have always fascinated me. And I I stumbled across an article that had some numerical equation, if you will, about Jimbo that I thought was interesting. How about this for numbers? Uh, Jimbo in his uh, six years now, he's going into year seven. He has signed 21 five-star recruits and 75 four-star recruits. Okay. So if you take and extrapolate that out, it's a total of 174 signees, okay? 55.1% of those have been four-star or better. Obviously, we didn't have rankings when I was being signed. The rankings didn't come out till what, 12, 15 years ago. But if you just compute that, 55% of the kids that he brings in or four or five star by some measure. Well, and and honestly, if you figured it over the last four years, that percentage, you know, would kind be of once, even higher. Yeah, once once he got his, it'd be even higher. But I, I would make the point, and I have to go back and look at it. That uh, what that doesn't point out is that one of Jimbo's great strengths is is his, his ability to evaluate talent, and uh, i.e. bring in a two or a three star guy that he knows can play. That, that's a whole nother that doesn't. That's metric. a topic for another show. There you is go. What that Add is. that to the list, Tom. <laughs> All right. But for clarification, as we wrap up, 2010, you had players like LaMarcus Joyner, Christian Jones, Telvin Smith, Bjorn Warner. 2011, Carlos Williams, Rashad Green, Kelvin Benjamin, Devontae Freeman. 2012, Mario Edwards, Eddie Goldman, P.J. Williams, Ron Darby, Malik Watson. And 13, Kermit Whitfield, Matthew Thomas, who we still are expecting things of at the linebacker. And 2014, Dalvin Cook, Ermon Lane, who we're expecting big things. Travis Rudolph, Chad Mavity, who see plenty of playing time. And then in 2015, Derwin James and Josh Sweat, my opinion, both of those will be gone as juniors and both of those will be All-Americans and maybe even consensus All-Americans by the time their junior year rolls around. I mean, that's a that's a impressive list of people numerically and just names. So what we have confirmed as we wrap things up, folks, if you made it to this point in this week's front row, is that Jimbo can recruit. This just in. Ain't Nary his first rodeo. No. All right. He's Keith. Uh, Hopefully it's not our last. He's Keith. I'm Tom. And and Lord willing, we'll be here again next week to do this. (laughs) 